With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start your fans, welcome to the Hoopsie Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing. Joining me are my two good friends, Louise Torres and Richard Uden. Fellas, what's up? Hey, how's it going? It's going good. You, Louise? Frantic. <laughs> Frantic days and editing and etc. But Portland is coming up, so all is right in the world right and you were at portland for the indycar testing so we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show um talk about uh some of the sights and sounds from the, the test out there indycar also was testing in laguna seca very recently as well in anticipation of the last two races there but indycar overall had the weekend off uh but there were two pretty big races at two of the most famous race racetracks in the world one being spa and the other being uh daytona so let's start with Daytona. It was the final race of the um, NASCAR Cup season. Uh, the regular season champion is uh, Chase Elliott. That was decided going in. Uh, but we went in with uh, two playoff spots available. Um, and, well, we had one playoff spot available. Then Kurt Busch um, is still recovering from concussion syndrome um, symptoms. So he, uh, he pulled his... Uh, Request for a medical waiver. He's not going to be able to start the playoffs. He's uh, still not fully recovered. And we do wish Kurt the best, but that opened up uh, two spots. And so the two guys points wise who were above the cut line was Blaney and Truex. Uh, and obviously if somebody were to win that race, um, they had enough points, they could grab a spot um, and knock one of those guys out. So rained out on Saturday. So the race moved to Sunday morning, Sunday, 10 a.m., uh, which drew the ire of some folks. I, you know, that's why I don't know that, that race traditionally was held at 10 a.m. in the past, but uh, it was on the 4th of July. It wasn't on a Sunday, so I guess somebody was upset they were going to miss church. But uh, either way, we got to get an early start to the race, um, and it was a sloppy race overall. Louise, you get a chance to, to, to kind of see some of the carnage. I want to say sloppy. It was appalling at the, in the final 20 laps. And, and and you can thank Mother Nature for Cody Ware getting a top 10 in the Cup Series because I don't know who – I don't know how they decide things officiating-wise when it comes to weather, but you already had a blunder in Loud in 2021 where it rained basically for eight laps and waited until all the JGR cars wanted them up at turn number one. And if you look at the replay coming to, what, 23 laps to go, 
it looking like it was going to be a mighty race. Maybe everybody would use their heads, fingers crossed, hopefully, like they did in February, where it says, yeah, you had a couple minor multi-car incidents, but everything else went seamless. And then rain in turn one, and then imagine the Xbox controller disconnecting or an online lobby in a NASCAR game. As soon as it rain happened, boom, all of them snapped out of control and complete. Basically, everybody not named Austin Dillon, Austin Sindrick, Cody Ware, Landon Castle, BJ McLeod made it, were all wrecked. They all, they just wrecked because of utter incompetence at the end of the day. That's on the officiating. That's all on the officials. That's all up in the tower for not, you know, the danger of going. Imagine, yeah. Loudon, it's about 130, 150 miles an hour. You're talking about Daytona, highly banked, 180 miles an hour with this, with these cars. Imagine if it was last year when they were going about 205. You, this is what happens when you run in the rain and not call, now just throwing a yellow because you saw in the lens before they wadded them up. They all wrecked. Yeah, they but won. I mean, didn't didn't the rain just kind of pop up out of nowhere? I mean, did it they? Build, did, it was did, building did, did, up a bit. Yeah, I, I just I just wonder if they if they didn't have time to to get the caution out before it just kind of just you know yeah, talking to talking to people that were there and and from the people I was talking to they obviously have a very uh, biased view or potentially could have a very biased view of this and the uh, the outcome to the race but the general consensus is that the NASCAR couldn't have predicted that rain and um, it was you know if they start throwing yellow flags because there could be rain. Uh, you know, some races will finish, you know, it'll, it'll never get to its completion. So, yeah, I think it was a, a, um, a victim of circumstance. And, of course, when there's rain in the air, what happens, you know, guys start to push harder and push harder. And, you know, the racing gets more, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, hectic and frantic, at, at, especially at super speedways where you can, you know, make moves that you wouldn't be able to, to make on a, on a uh, you know, a mile and a half or a road course, for example. So, I, I think NASCAR are in a very, very difficult position, um, but they they probably made the right call to you know to, to not preemptively you know what was if they'd waved the yellow and then it's dead dry. I mean, stupid. they kind of did that last. They did that at the Daytona Road Course, a little bit of rain, and then nothing really much happened of it, and people were upset about that. But when yeah. you hear the drivers getting so frustrated about it, then you it makes you wonder. Yeah, but the drivers are always going to be frustrated, aren't they? You know, I bet Austin Dillon doesn't mind, you know? No, no, not at all, no. So, Ozzy, I, no, I, I guess we should... Yeah, yeah, story, unfortunately. Yeah. I guess we should mention it was Austin Dillon who did hang on for the victory after he kind of uh, dumped Austin Cindric out of his way just a little bit. Just, mm, just, a little, just, just a little bit. Um, and uh, took that last playoff spot. But Blaney and Truex... Both ran into trouble during the race. I was other than the massive pileup uh, with 20 to go. Uh, there were several multi-car incidents throughout that race there. And Blaney was caught up in one of the very early ones. Uh, got some damage to his car, went three laps down. And then Truex was involved in one later. And Truex had actually raced himself to within being about 10 points of overtaking Blaney till he got caught up in somebody else's wreck. So uh, Blaney did manage to sneak into the playoffs, uh, but Truex will be on the outside looking in. Uh, if, they, uh, if they'd actually called the race when that big wreck happened, if they'd said, right, okay, you know, with 20 laps to go, it's raining, we're going to, you know, just 
declare the victory then, then Truex would have made it through. It was the restart and the fact that that allowed Blaney to uh, to, to catch up their spots there. And because so many other cars were, were out, that elevated Blaney Blaney through the through the standings quite significantly. Oh yeah, absolutely. There were there were probably a good 15, 20 cars that didn't return for the restart. What did Justin Mark say about four million dollars worth of damage in total? It was ugly, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. but uh, so the playoff field is as such. Uh, starting at the top is uh, Chase Elliott, and then we've got Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Austin Cindric, Alex Bowman, and then in the 16th spot, Austin Dillon. So as we head on to the playoffs, those are uh, the 16 that uh, that have a shot at this championship. Uh, uh, obviously, points wise, we're all points are reset. We're, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, not quite though, is it? I mean, they still do take it's you know, so so Chase is almost guaranteed to get through the first, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like 20, so it doesn't 20. quite re- yeah, it doesn't, yeah, quite they, they, yeah, the they, they, they used to reset everybody to even now, they reset them all to um, interval. So it's 2040, 2025, 2020, 2019, 2014, 13. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and Chase got quite a big. But you got like 15 bonus points for winning the championship, and it basically it goes on how many stages you won and how many races you won as well, doesn't it? I think, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you got uh race wins, poles, uh, and stage wins. I think, well, I think poles don't count, but uh, poles don't count, it's race wins, stage wins, and then Chase gets like 15 right. bonus points, which I say, I think he, he'd have to have a pretty catastrophic first six races not to get to the final eight. And Chase has been uh, on his A game pretty much all year. He's been the most consistent driver all year Solid, long. So, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks he looks pretty good going into the playoffs here. Uh, you know, so these other cats look really good going into playoffs too. You know, so, yeah. And I still stand the biggest mystery going into this playoffs of how is Trackhouse again? Because the biggest central problem I've had with the team has had is having both of them have solid results. Chastain has been strong, but the question remains, will he make it out? Because he's got a lot of angry drivers behind him. And will Suarez have more consistency in having the runs like Chastain has? And that's the thing. they got to be more consistent if to really be a threat to the to Chase Elliott and anybody else that will step up their game late in the, in the season. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you've got guys in here that are in there because they've won races that were significantly behind other guys in points. Uh, but because of the race when they're in there, and that's the format. So, but yeah, you got you got some guys in there like you know Austin Cendrick. Certainly, he set the you know he won the um, Daytona 500, but he's not really set the world on fire ever since, except for the couple of uh, nice road course performances. But but overall, uh, you know, he was languishing farther back in the points. You know, you've got uh, again to your point, Suarez. Uh, got the one win there, but he hasn't. He's been rather inconsistent throughout the year. Um, Chastain's won a couple races this year. Um, Blaney's been rather consistent all year, although he hasn't won a race. Uh, yeah. But you know, but some of the guys you got to watch out for are the you know the ones that really uh, know how to come alive when the pressure's on. And I'm talking like your your uh, Harvick, uh, Legato certainly is going to be strong in the playoffs. Um, Kyle Busch, uh, obviously. Um, and, and Kyle, a lot of, a lot of talk about uh, his contract talks and, uh, 
I'm really not, not sure how that's going, but uh, Toyota's desperately trying to keep him in the Toyota camp. But uh, the odd thing is, right, so if they can't find sponsorship for him, right, uh, are they going to park the 18 for the year or will they just find somebody to drive that, that they can pay significantly less, I would imagine, right? Yeah, and I think ultimately you also got to keep an eye on that 45 team because of Kurt's condition, whether it's season or longer, that's going to be a huge, that's going to be a huge mystery as as well. Because right now it boils the 18 to 45 for temporarily the 45, who knows, fingers crossed that's not the case for Kurt that what happened at Pocono is the signifies the end of his career. I would, cert- I would, yeah, I would certainly hate to see him go out that way. But at, at this stage, he really has nothing to gain by kind of rejoin for the some of these uh, last races of the season since he's uh, forfeited his spot in the playoff. He might as well uh, just take the time to make sure he's healed fully and, and recovered. That's just yeah, this- that's just my thought. I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but uh, yeah, you know, these these kind of things are serious. I mean, these are the things that ended the careers of guys like Dario Franchitti and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, there's a lot of drivers' careers that ended that way, it, and it's just a matter of how that's going to incorporate. And it also boils down whether or not they want to move Ty up a year early or keep him for one more year in Xfinity, because that's the big, that's a huge question mark. Is that as word does Ty go in twenty twenty three? Because Ty has been publicly known as not a guy to announce anything until the season upcoming. So we won't know Ty's twenty twenty three plans until probably late January. That's because that's how Ty has been so far in his racing career, dating back to ARCA. I would imagine that the decision on him is going to be directly related to his performance over the next several races in the forty five. And and I think I think if he does well uh, and proves to be a contender, I don't think there's any sense in sending him back to Xfinity for a year. But uh, but if he struggles, you know he, he is rather young, so that'll be you know that's a that's a work in progress to keep your eyes on. We've seen guys that seem to have been pushed into the Cup Series a little too soon, and we've also seen guys languish in Xfinity much longer than they needed to. So yeah. And some of them just don't end up getting the grand opportunity like they should. Because you have guys like in the past, like Jason Leffler, Casey Atwood, Ryan Truex, all thrusted into into the top level way too way too soon for their for their bargain. And then you have guys like Justin Allgaier, who problem who's been doing Xfinity for many many years, but the opportunity may never come for him to get back to the top level in a good solid equipment. You don't see your Alex Bowman's your Alex Bowman's out there the, where it the bill the loan bill will be worthwhile. Right, right, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that'll be interesting to see. But the whole the whole Kyle Busch situation is interesting because there's been a lot of kind of rumblings that he's been talking with colleague racing. There's been a few rumblings that he's been talking with uh, Richard Childress. Um, so uh, you know it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously. You know, uh, Gibbs would love to keep him there. I, I mean, I would love to keep him if he worked for me because the guy can certainly wheel a car. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how that plays out because I can't uh, imagine uh, a guy of his stature taking a huge pay cut uh, if there's if there's a better offer on the table. Yeah, and at this point, like, if he, if he were to venture off of NASCAR, 
where would he go? Because I know there's this one video out there that's that suggests he should go to IndyCar. And I say to myself, what team is out there that will match his caliber? Mm. Not many. Ganassi is, is a is like hum ho about Polo, whether or not McLaren is a hot mess to begin with. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. The only ones I saw realistically is maybe Foyt or Ray Hall. And it just boils down to what Foyt brings to the table and also with Ray Hall which I think you could say Hy-Vee could play a role in that. If whether, But that's all mishwash at this point. I think Kyle Busch will probably stick around in NASCAR for a few more years. I don't see him trying to probably go dive in the IndyCar full-time, even if he if he, even if he remotely be interested in going. I think his mindset is still be at the top-level NASCAR, and he knows he can get it done. It's just a matter of who will pay the, the money to bring him out there. But my biggest concern, when you look down to the playoff roster, is William Byron. Started off strong. As of late, he's just been completely MIA in my book. And I said early in the year, the way they were that they would polish their mistakes from last year, because I still stand that Byron has performed better than Bowman. Yeah, Bowman had four wins last year, but Byron was more stronger, and Essence just didn't have the wins to really back it up like he did, like Bowman did. And it looked like at the beginning of the year, Byron was on his way to maybe be a dark horse contender for a championship four spot. I'm struggling to see Byron to even make it out of the first round at this point. Yeah, it's interesting that that what I've I've noticed that it seems like this year as opposed to last year, there's more of a gap between the um the Hendrick cars of uh Elliot and Larson back to Byron and Bowman than there was last year. It seemed like they were, they were all four more evenly matched last year, but it looks, it, it, it just appears to me. I, I don't, you know, that's not coming from any, you know, deep, deep dive into stats or, uh, or anything like that. But, but it seems like, um, those two guys are just languishing a little behind. I don't know if it's equipment or if it's talent, but, uh, there seemed to be a bigger gap this year between the, the, those, you know, all of two sets all of, of two cars. Are. Yeah. Yeah, all mm-hmm. of them are. It's not like last year where it was like Larson number one, Elliot two, not there. They were pretty relatively close. This is a huge gap from La- Elliot has a pretty significant gap over Larson, and then further back you have Bowman and Byron, and but and they the Bowman and Byron have been completely MIA way too much to the point. It's like makes you wonder what's going on with those two teams. And now we know that Greg Ice is going to be stepping down from the pit box in 2023. 
whether or not it's, it's telling to anything with those, what we talked about Kyle Bush, I doubt it. But for Ives to kind of call it a career spent time with his family, it's kind of, it makes you sink a bit, but that's probably reading too much into it, at the, to be honest with you. But it's going to be a huge mystery of what who they're going to pair with Bowman and what Bowman's future looks like as well. Yeah, yeah, he's going to definitely need a strong guy on his pit box. But yeah, I'm sure they've got they've got guys in the fold that are ready to to step up. But I uh, just you know I don't have any names. So yeah, it's um, just a matter if they can if the chemistry and meshing well works because we we've seen it many a times with Hendrick Motorsports. Right? If they put a driver cruisy combo, it either clicks really well or it doesn't right out of the gate. Right, right. So what are the what are the first three uh, playoff races? Darlington. I know the cutoff races at Bristol. The second one is a complete blank for me right now. I don't know why I can't think of it either. It's not Richmond because it got swapped out of the playoffs into the regular season. Is but it? Um, I know Darlington is this week. That and the cutoff right. race is Bristol. This is quite true. Yeah, Darlington is going to be. Um, traditional Labor Day weekend date. Kansas. Can't, that, I was thinking Kansas. I just didn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, Kansas I, and Homestead and Richmond swapped all together. That's yeah. what makes it very convoluted because now Homestead is in the cutoff in the round of eight where Kansas used to be. Now they swapped up. Where it, It's just, yeah, this one is an odd play. It's an odd scheduling with the playoffs. It's, it's a radical change, just to be honest. Right. So we've got three pretty different tracks. You know, Darlington is very unique in and of itself. Uh, Kansas is one of the cookie cutters, uh, 1.5 miles. And then, of course, Bristol being the, you know, the tiny concrete, uh, concrete, sometimes dirt, but concrete for this, uh, this upcoming race. Um, so, uh, yeah, we could see, um, uh, you know, definitely th there's guys that are strong at all those tracks. There's guys that are strong in a portion of those tracks. So uh, I guess the real challenge um, for us is to try to maybe predict the first four guys out. I, yeah, my mind is, is still on Byron, but first four out, I have Briscoe, Byron, Briscoe, Byron, for sure. I think Cindric is just going to miss out. I was thinking Cindric, yeah. And I'm going to go Christopher Bell. Mm, yeah. So I, I said, oh, wait. And the reason why, oh, yeah, now I remember. The reason why I don't have Austin Dillon out of the first round because he's typically shown case he can be pretty good in the first round of the playoffs. And Darlton is one of their more stronger, stronger tracks. So I could see Dillon making it out making it past the first round. Okay. All right. But I'm going to, I'm going to say Dylan's out in the first round uh, just because other than this race at Daytona, he really hasn't set the world on fire this year. And I'm going to say Cindric, much as I love the kid, he's probably out in the first round. Uh, Chase Briscoe, I think is out as well as uh, our friend, Alex Bowman. That's uh, that's my prediction there. And Richard, you'll abstain, right? Yeah, we'll yes. leave that one where it is. Right, leave that one where it is. So uh um Louise, who do you like for um Darlington then? You think it's gonna be one of our one of our sixteen or somebody gonna come up and steal a win? I think it's definitely gonna come for the six out of the sixteen. 
And from the top of my head, honestly, you can never count out Denny Hamlin at Darlington. This is quite true. Yeah. Yeah. Denny's so overdue for a championship. Right. And I'm not I'm not really a huge Denny Hamlin fan, but. But honestly, the guy's stats, the family, he's, you know, he's he's your modern day Mark Martin. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got all the all the race wins and, and just doesn't have the just hasn't been able to put a championship season together. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like Hamlin for Darlington as well. Um, you know, I also like Chase Elliott. So I just think he's going to start his uh, the playoff strong. And I think you're just going to have to watch uh, Chase through the through the whole playoff picture. For sure. I'm trying to, well, I'm blanking out if Elliot has ever won a cup race at Darlington. He did in Xfinity when it was known as Nationwide in 14. He's been close. He's had a couple moments where he probably could have been in the mix, but stuff have happened. I look back to when he and Truex were battling for the win and they and they collided in turn one in a couple of Sutter 500s ago. Yeah, that'd be funny if Truex wins, you know. Be like poetic justice can't win a race till the playoff starts, and then there you go. So- and then you'll have like a Tony Stewart 2006 run, where he gets like all of his wins in the playoffs despite not making it, despite not being in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Truex must be pretty disappointed because he really, really races hard out to try to try to get those uh get those points away from um from Blaney, and it just just all the sloppiness, all the you know all the yeah, it just Rex didn't, and that race kind of just just didn't go his way. So and and Truex no, is a, Truex is a guy who's been kind of on the fence about his future lately too. You know, he's yeah. kind of kind of on and off. You know, mumbling maybe retirement, maybe not. See how it goes this year. So uh, we know yeah. he's coming back next year, That's right? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But uh, beyond that, you know, what I mean. He, if, if he were to call it a career and hang it up, he'd have nothing to be ashamed of, you know, so. No, he's got a cup championship. He, sure, uh, yeah. He, he's been probably one of the more stronger playoff era drivers. We're counting the, since it was an elimination style of playoffs. Three runner-up positions in the last four yeah. years, I think it is. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's been. So. And he's had a and nice think, long career. I mean, it's like, hey, you think about it, he's been around since what, uh, 2004, oh, three, three, three or four. Yeah, right. Four so he's... When he made his debut with DEI. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I go back to Atlanta 04, when he made his cup debut in the fall, they already even established then that he was going to run a limited schedule in 05 before going full time in 06. So they already had a game plan. And to think that he's he's come a long way. He's only one of only two cup drivers to win a championship from the Northeast. With the other being Bill Rexford in 1950, being a New Yorker, Truex being from New Jersey. And at the end of the day, for Truex, he's this is the first time he's missed the playoffs since 2014, when it was his first year at Furniture Row, when he when it looked when he had that disastrous debut year with with the 78 team. Because good grief, that was just a disastrous looking back. And it's also got to be gut punching that he's the only Gibbs car not in the playoffs too. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. Yeah. But like I say, he's been a regular fixture in the in the final four for, you know, a couple of yeah. seasons here. So it is kind of it's going to be weird not having Truex part of the championship mix there. But, uh, you know, is what it is. You know what I mean? He he did. You know, his uh, his efforts were too little too late to get in. So, um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I feel for the guy, but uh, you know everybody else earned their spot. Yeah, that's just the nature of the beast with this, with this system, and the fact I think at that point Truex was even lucky to even be in the mix, considering we didn't knew until days before the race that Kurt was going to withdraw from withdraw his playoff eligibility. But with Dylan's win, we now have 16 winners, albeit 15 qualified for the playoffs with Kurt's withdrawal. Yes, yes, we do have 16 winners, right? But uh, Blaney is in the playoffs and Kurt is not. Yep. So, the, so there you go, 16. And that's is that the record? 16 winners in a season, or was there? It's 18, 18 or 19. Yep. Yeah, and 01 and 2011. Yeah, we had we had a lot of guys. Uh, Capable of winning races, then. So, what well, we do now. So, yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's shift gears and let's let's go to Spa, which is Richard, one of your favorite racetracks. I know. Oh yeah, uh, it's one of my yeah. favorite racetracks. It's one of everybody's favorite racetracks that has been, you know, watching uh, European racing for years. It's uh, uh, and again, it's it's if it's sadly it comes up that it may be in danger of disappearing off the Formula One schedule every now and again. And, and I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of folks that would just hate for that to happen, you know, to, to make room for another race in the, you know, the Middle East or in a place like <laughs> Vegas or something like that. Or, yeah. Or well, some, could uh, cut the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but Spa's a track with character and yep. uh, we, um, we had a couple guys with grid penalties, a couple of really top cars starting. It was, it was like six cars with grid penalties at the end. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you might, you might as well. You've had the whole month off. Go ahead and get a fresh engine for the next go, you know. Yeah. So um, so you had Max starting 14th, I think, and Leclerc starting back there as well. 13th, I think. Yep. Yeah, I think Leclerc was the first guy with a penalty, and he was uh, he was 13th. So that showed you how many guys had penalties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but in the race, I mean, really the performance gap between Max Verstappen and his Red Bull car to the other 19 cars in the field is crazy. Oh. It's crazy. Max started 14th and by lap 12, he was leading, Yeah, you know? So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, I don't know what, uh, you know, what kind of development went on during the break or, or what, uh, you know, not supposed to, not supposed to be any, but yeah, they're not supposed to be any, but, uh, you know, they did, you know, use an engine token, put a fresh engine in. And so, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was just Max putting on a clinic. So, but Richard, go ahead and, uh, let's take it through a little bit. Cause we had a couple of, couple of little rough moments there, especially in lap one. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a relatively benign weekend for a spa weekend. You know, there wasn't much rain kicking around. There was, I think, there was a little bit on the first day, but the the track was pretty dry once they actually got running underway. Um, and you know, the the Ferraris just couldn't really match the pace of of especially um, Max Verstappen there. You know, he uh, he got pole in in sort of air quotes there. Uh, but science was elevated to pole once, um, you know, Max had served his grid penalties. Um, but yeah, yeah, science just wasn't on the races. Leclerc was probably the one guy again that could probably challenge Max, but um, actually, ironically, uh, at the start of the race, got uh, one of Max Verstappen's visor tear offs caught in a brake duct, which caused it to overheat, which 
put him back in the pack for the restart there, and he never really recovered from that. But uh, Max drove a fantastic race. It was almost, dare I say, Schumacher-esque uh, in, his, in his way that he, he carved through the field there. Obviously aided by a superiorly superior car, but uh, you know you've got to you've got to do what you've got to do, haven't you? You know you can't uh, you know you, you can't be be sort of sympathetic to other guys just because you've got a faster car. You know the huge amount of credits uh, credits due there. So, um, but yeah, <clears throat> the um, Lacombe chicane curse struck Lewis Hamilton again. That's the the fourth time in his career he's been taken out of that corner. And I think he's only retired from like 37 races in his career. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a huge, uh, you know, 15% of his retirements have come in one corner, uh, which is sort of crazy statistic, really. Um, but, yeah, you know, Alonso had a great qualifying uh, session there. And, uh, you know, he, he and Hamilton got a little bit tangled up and they had a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, a petty war of words uh, going on between them. But, you know... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Under the pressure, under the tension of inside the helmet, these things do get said out, you know, and yeah, it is what it is. But uh, no, you know, the, the star of the day, 10 out of 10 points there was Max Verstappen. You, can't, you couldn't ask any more from him. Um, first time since sometime, I think, in the 50s that a race has been won from a driver starting outside the top 10 to two races in a row. So uh, in an incredible performance there. Um, and Spa is one of those tracks that allows you to win a race from back in the pack. You know, you've got, you've got two really good overtaking um, opportunities, you know, through the source and Radion, uh, sorry, the source Rouge Radion, that stretch, you pretty much flat out until you get to the chicane at the top of the hill there. And, uh, and with the, 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 the aerodynamic efficiency that the Red Bull has, you certainly, you know, saw Max picking off people at will there. And then also into the bus stop chicane coming through Blanchimont there. You're going to, again, you know, just, just superior confidence on the brakes and uh, got a number of impressive overtaking manoeuvres made uh, made there. So if there's any track where you can do it, that's one of them. You know, you saw Lewis do it in, in um, uh, Interlagos last year, you know, a similar sort of thing, took an engine penalty and drove through the field in, in dominant style. So... Certainly, you know, the tactics were there and he, he took advantage of it. Um, but, yeah, no, really, really good. Um, you know, great, great performance. Great, great performance all around. Yeah, and it's just, you know, seeming more and more likely that he's just going to seal up this championship. I mean, Leclerc yeah. had his problems, not, Actually, only, the, uh, not only the grid penalty and the and the, the tear-off, but then he also had a, a pit lane 
violation, I believe. Yeah, I, I think so, what happened is is when he when the pit when the uh, the um uh, uh the, the tear off melted in his brake duct actually or caught fire in his brake duct it melted his wheel speed sensor which uh, is what they use for for pit lane speed limits or for calculating pit lane speed. So uh, yeah, that was a double. Double whammy on him there, and he did lose that point that he'd gained, or uh, from passing Alonso on the final lap. Uh, but I think actually now Perez is now ahead of um, uh, Charles in the in the championship there. But uh, I just wanted to touch on Perez a little bit actually, because so we all know that earlier in the year he was awarded, um, I think it's a multi-year contract with Red Bull. I think it's twenty twenty-three and beyond. But ever since he got that contract extension, he has been downright average uh, at best you know he started off the season well and had some competitive runs but since he since the contract extension was announced I can't remember which race it was um, he's been just way off the pace of, of Max I mean you're picking up podiums and picking up some you know reasonable results here, here and there but never coming anywhere near to the level of Max's performance. So it was almost a little bit like, well, he's put the effort in to get the new contract and now he's slowed down again, which is a bit disappointing. And I think there's a few people at Red Bull that could be scratching their heads over that one. Um, now, of course, you know, we reiterate, he has a Red Bull contract. He doesn't have a Red Bull racing contract. So he could be, in theory, put into the, you know, he's still, you know, you could see what happened to Albon and, and Gasly there and he gets demoted back to the Alpha Tari team if he doesn't pick up. But uh, yeah, certainly, if if I was the the Red Bull senior management, I'd be asking some pretty serious questions about Checo's performances in the last uh, half dozen races because they've been below where we expect them to be. Yeah, you would imagine that that with all of Red Bull's resources as well, that that they're, that they're giving him rather similar equipment to Max. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean, so well, that's part I, I, of the I, yeah, I really don't no. think that that Max is getting all the, the new updates first or that he's they're, they're just putting more time into Max's car. I mean, you know, Red Bull has considerable resources to put yeah. two very good cars and just the performance gap between Max and his own teammate. And again, Max and the rest of everybody else in Formula One is just, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, again, like you said, what do you, what do you call it? Schumacher-esque? It was you know, the so, yeah. But yeah, that, that's absolutely, maybe part yeah. of the problem that, that Checker's experiencing here is that, as you say, you know, he gets the same uh, car setup, you know, design, you know, whatever you want to call it, that Max gets. Well, Max is a very, very, very different driver in style to to pretty much anybody else on the grid. So, you know, you, you're almost seeing he's being, you know, it could be detrimental to Checker that he's getting the same stuff. You know, he may want his stuff, uh, you know, his car setup and his car hand, handling, excuse me, that he's not getting. So just because... You know, you're given a car that Max likes doesn't mean that um, you know you'd be able to drive in that style. So um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously the guys at Red Bull, you know, the senior guys there, they know that they know the deal, they know what's going on. But um, yeah, I did, I'd be asking a few questions here or there to tell you the truth. Um, I think it, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little bit disappointed if I were them. Yeah, so Louise, you want to weigh in on this? I know you're a big fan of Checo, so you you want to come to your man's defense, or I'll give him, I'll give you this, Richard. At the beginning of the year, when especially when he won Monaco, there was that one sliver of chance that he might have, he might have a cup of coffee chance of probably in the title mix for Verstappen. But then as June and July kind of came along, yes, the results have been there to the point that 
he might have a great chance of holding off second, depending on Ferrari's chicanery come gets the best of them every now and then, which it has been so far. But time will tell, will it continue? And if I were Ferrari, I try to get get your grip together and try to challenge Paris to step up his game for that battle for second in the world title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, a Ferrari is their own worst enemy at times. Exactly. That's you the know? thing. If, if Ferrari step up the game, then hopefully that brings some urgency on Paris because you're not wrong, and that you're not wrong at all. Despite the fact that he's wrecked up solid results, but you're totally not wrong there. I think if Ferrari, if Ferrari get their heads out of you, out of their butt, then we'll see. Hopefully, Paris step up his game. Yeah. yeah so we had some other other pretty good tr- drives through the field there. I thought that uh, Alonso looked as racy as can be. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, and um, he's proven that he hasn't lost a step. Uh, you oh, know, no. as, as he's like uh, what Alpine wants to think. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, he's on his way to uh, Austin Martin next year, so yeah. we'll uh, we'll see how I'll that goes. It, I, think, it's, I, think I feel like that's a step down on the grid, but uh, yeah. you never know how you never know what the twenty twenty three car is going to be. You know, they could. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, Aston Martin could pull something really remarkable out of the books, particularly, you know, with a guy like Alonso doing the off season testing. Yeah. You know, but I but, think then, that, but then uh, again, Vettel Vettel didn't. Yeah. Really, one guy that that certainly I think needs praising for his performance uh, at the weekend was Alex Albon to come home P10 for Williams. He made it through to Q3. Um, you know, had a strong qualifying performance. Yeah, his his grid position was aided by some of these penalties in front of him, but uh, you know, they fundamentally didn't have the pace to finish in the top ten. But they had a car setup that was very skinny, very slippery. Um, and even with even cars behind him with DRS couldn't pass him up that, you know, we were talking about earlier how Max was dominant on that run from Radion to Lacan. Uh, you know, nobody could get past Albon in the same same stretch of track because they, they just, you know, trimmed out that Williams so so aggressively. So that's great for that section of the track. It made, made the handling for the rest of the lap an absolute pig. Um, and, you know, Albon's got to take it, be given a huge amount of credit for being able to manage the car through those... Uh, through that race and, and score a, you know, in reality, probably not a valuable point for Williams because, um, you know, the teams above them, the Hasses and the Aston Martins do seem to have, you know, a, a good clear gap to them, but it's always good for the, you know, a team like Williams and it inc- encourages there and increases their confidence to, uh, to check off a few more points there. And, uh, sure, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think Albon is, you know, is a much better driver than that Williams allows him to show. Yeah, uh, you know, so but yeah, but uh, yeah, and great, great drive for him. Pretty yeah, good drive for um for Esteban Ocon as well. Yeah, he, he had he had a good day as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I think unfortunately, you know, for for every time you see Albon have a good race, it does highlight you know Latifi's shortcomings, and it looks pretty certain that Latifi will be leaving Williams. It also looks pretty certain that Mick Schumacher will be leaving Haas at the end of the year. Uh, it was announced today that he won't be renewing his contract and partnership with the Ferrari parent team, for want of a better word. Um, so there's there's three or four highly coveted seats that are still um, unavailable. And of course, a lot depends on the Oscar Piastri um, contract uh, dispute. Um, on Monday of this week, there was the um, contract, uh, the board of contract recognition or whatever they're called. Um now, the way this is going to work is Piastri is not going to drive for Alpine next year. Piastri will be driving for McLaren. It's just whether 
McLaren have to pay uh, Alpine compensation or not. I think that's the only way it's going to work out. I don't think there's going to be a situation where Piastri is forced to drive for Alpine next year. It's just whether he goes to McLaren on a free transfer or if there has to be a you know a payment from um, McLaren to to Alpine to cover his developmental costs. Um, so you know you you're probably looking at three or four seats you know available um, going into next year, and uh, it's it's starting to you know it'd be, be we could have a whole show just on that topic I think, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, of course the um you know the hot rumor is that um. Alpine is um, high on Gasly. Gasly is going to be a free agent next year, uh, which would open up the uh, the seat at AlphaTauri. And then, of course, uh, he does have a contract for next year, though. Gasly doesn't he? I thought he I had read. Be, I yeah. thought I had read that for this. The, he said this is the first time I control my own fate. Yeah, I I, what, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure, but I but I mean. Yeah, Gasly's another really good driver too. That uh, that should be in a top car, um, but uh, I, I don't know if uh, the Alfatori to Alpine is a step up or a, a lateral. You know what I mean? So, but then, yeah, but then of course I, I the other thing is it's kind of even, it's sort of even level playing field between those two. That kind of are on par in my yeah, eye. yeah. I mean, I think the thing with 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 Gasly, if he if he were to ever make a move out of the Red Bull family. I think that's the big part of it. I think it's the, you saw with Carlos Sainz, you know, when he left the Red Bull family, he probably grew as a driver a little bit and he was allowed that independence. Maybe he did the exact opposite of what you saw with Danny Ricciardo. So it's, it's you know, the drivers make of it what they make of it to, um, you know, to, to, to get out there. But you know, Gasly does have a contract to drive for AlphaTauri for 2023. Um, but you know, who knows where that you know falls out in the wash in reality? Um, as we all know in this sport, you know, or in any form of motorsport, contracts are only worth the paper it's written on. Um, and if there wasn't a you know, if McLaren have to pay Alpine. $20 million to get Piastri or whatever it may be, then a lot of that would be reinvested in, in I'm sure, getting something like Gasly out of uh, out of Alphatari. But on the flip side, uh, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly are not particularly good friends, uh, despite being countrymen. Um, so uh, that may be a dynamic that uh, Otmar um, at, at uh, Alpine there wouldn't want to um, sort of ignite a, a, a rift within the team. Uh, now saying that, you know, Esteban Ocon and Mick Schumacher are good friends, so maybe they'd look at Mick Schumacher as a safe pair of hands, if not a amazingly dynamic driver, somebody that could do a job. Because there's a lot of talk of um, Giovinazzi taking uh, Mick's seat, although you know it's not exactly a a, a sort of a a headline uh, driver move there. But uh, yeah, who knows? No. Yeah, no, and, of, totally and of course, not. of course, Daniel Ricciardo is still out there and available. You know, yeah. So uh, yeah. So, I but of course, of course, the, the to... funny, funny thing for me was that uh, I, you know, we've seen a couple of articles that that are mentioning Colton Herta uh, in conjunction with the Alpha Tori seat, which I, I'm sorry, I don't see that happening. But no. uh, you know, where there's, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's probably a little fire, so there's probably something to it. But I don't, uh, I don't see that as being 
Alvatore's first choice, you know. So, but uh, but many interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you, you've got the the herd of talk to Formula One has been going on for a couple of seasons now, and and Richard, to your point, he needs to focus on winning an IndyCar championship first, and I and I fully agree with you there. Yeah, I just think something, you know, I, I don't think he's done enough personally. You know, I mean, goodness me, he's a damn sight better than I am, so I'm not in a position to criticize. But I just don't think he's done enough as of right now to warrant that move. You know, you we mentioned pre 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 coming on air here. The one thing that you see with Formula One drivers week in week out is their consistency. You know, you look at even though they're not they may not be winning a race, but they're so consistent and they're disciplined. And you know, how many retirements do you see in a race these days because of wrecks? You know. Uh, Colton Hurt has almost crashed out through his own mistakes in three seasons of IndyCar than Lewis Hamilton has in his own career, whole career. You know, <laughs> a bit of an exaggeration, but he makes too many mistakes for Formula One. You know, he may be quick, and there's no doubt the kid, when he gets in the zone, is phenomenally fast. But there's more to life, there's more to, to Formula One than being quick, as we all know. And I just don't think he has that. I may be wrong in saying it, but I just don't think he has that discipline or that drivability to carry the responsibility and the pressure that comes with a, with a Formula One drive. Right. So now, obviously, now you mentioned Mick Schumacher as well. I mean, he. I'm afraid this cat might be on the outside looking in next year if, if the way everything shuffles out. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I really don't feel like he's done enough in that Haas to, to warrant somebody taking a hard mm-hmm. look at him. And the fact that he's going to end his association with Ferrari leaves him really vulnerable to unemployment. You know what I mean? Because I, I think Ferrari assisted in getting him that Haas seat and keeping him in that Haas seat. But uh, with, with that association out of the way, I, you know, it's uh, it's, it's hard to tell what's going to yeah. happen there. I think he's got decent potential, but you got some really good guys coming up out of formula two. And yeah. again, you've got some solid free agents in, in formula, you know, in formula one, when we talk about, you know, Ricardo's and guys like that. So yeah, yeah. it's, um, it's going mean, to be, thing- be an interesting off season for sure. Yeah. I think the issue with Mick was not last year, you know, cause it was an unknown quantity. You know, last year he was going against Mazepin who I, I think he got the better of in all fairness. Um, but you know, it was two rookies against each other. You know, it's very difficult to pit, pit them against each other. I think what was massively detrimental to, to, to Mick is having had, you know, all the preseason testing time in the new car with the new regulations and, the, and you know, the team around him and that relate those relationships and those, that familiarity um, to then suddenly have um, Kevin Magnussen come in at the last minute with only a day or so of testing um, you know, preseason testing, and and show up Mick pretty aggressively. Um, you know, and in the early part of the season, now yeah, Mick did turn around and score a couple of points, or you know, a number of points in Miami. Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't Miami. Uh, Silverstone and Austria, I think, wasn't it, where he broke his uh, point scoring duck. Um, but uh, you know, it, it still hasn't been particularly impressive. And if if you're how should we put it? If you're a guy that is going to go into you know, an, the heir apparent to a Ferrari seat, no disrespect to Kevin Magnussen, but you need to be beating Kevin Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen is a known quantity in Formula 1. He is a good 
high end, you know, middle to high end of the B list drivers, I'll put him. You know, he's not a superstar, he's not a world champion, he's not a multiple race winner. Give him the right car, and he may, you know, stick it up there on a, you know, on a, on a regular basis. But he's he's a, a and again, you know, a Sergio Perez level driver, a Valtteri Bottas level driver, a good number two in a big team. And Mick can't really come close to him on a regular basis. So uh, I, I think that's been Mick's undoing. I think if Mazepin had stayed on, I think Mick's stock would be a little bit higher than it is now, potentially. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Magnuson is a really good measuring stick to to, to see where your performance at, as opposed and he didn't to, measure very as opposed well. to Mazepin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah so, so yeah, there you go. Exactly. It'll be, yeah. Your other Hulkenberg, where you, if you can hang toe to toe with those guys, you may you may make it if you're a young driver. Yeah, you right, know they're, they're right. all good yardsticks for Formula One teams. You know they're a good solid driver who'll do a job, get your car out there. You know, not do anything crazy. Um, and yeah, but they're not particularly. It's a, you know, it's a difficult word to use. Really. They're not a sexy driver, if you know what I mean. They're not somebody who go, oh, let's watch Magnussen. Oh, let's watch Hulkenberg. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Did a good job. Yeah, they're not Max for stopping. No. They're exactly. not an edge of your seat. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, all right. So, um, where are we off to next? Uh, we are off to the Netherlands at Zandvoort this weekend uh, to Max's playground, who no doubt he will obliterate the uh, the opposition again here this weekend and he'll and, have uh, he'll have his army lots of uh, yep. orange yeah. orange army and orange smoke everywhere and yeah, uh, yeah got I mean, the, the guys be sad guy. high banks to say for barriers oh yeah yeah no it's great i mean if max pretty much has three home races i mean austria obviously with the red bull link they go crazy for him spa not a million miles belgium is not a million miles away from holland and then of course then he goes to Zandvoort, you know, which is his home race. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy, really. He's in the same way that you know Alonso effects and and the Schumacher effects, you know, had a huge impact on motorsport in Germany and Spain, respectively, in the early two thousands and late nineties. Uh, you know, Max is obviously doing the same around the the, the, the sort of you know that um, uh, you know Netherlands and Belgium and places like that. Uh, you know, having a huge impact on the sport. Absolutely, yeah. So. All right, so um, you know it's hard it's hard to pick anyone other than Max for that race. Yep. So we we can just all pick Max. Uh, I think we're all going to pick Max on that one, unless Louise, yeah. you've got a different. Uh... Um, <laughs> if we're, yeah, I'm prob- it's probably going to be Max. I, I don't. If, yeah. Like I said, I made my point. I kind of alluded to what, how I feel about Ferrari. They need to get their heads out of their butts. I mean, the the the, the problem is when you're not, you know, Red Bull have that little bit in reserve and they can then use that energy to concentrate on strategy and, and making the right calls at the right time. I don't feel Ferrari has that reserve. I think when you see Ferrari being fast, it's on the edge of their seats. You know, they're really opening every, uh, you know, every faucet to get that performance out of the car. And I, I think with Red Bull, they're not having to push themselves there. You know, to, 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 they're running at 80% capacity on their race engineering structure of their team. So that relieves them another 20% to, to fall back on making sensible strategy calls and understanding the strategy players that are on the table. I, I think Ferrari are too stretched because they're trying to eke out every last ounce of performance from their car. So I think it's, it's difficult to say that, they, you know, Ferrari's own doing 
uh, and they're making silly mistakes. I just think that they're, they're they're under pressure more so than Red Bull are because they're they're so stretched. Yeah, and I think it's one of those, and I feel like it's one of those that they know they can hang toe to toe. They could be as every bit as good or even better than them. It's just they, like you're 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 saying, the stretch they're stretching themselves that where they focus on yeah. one thing, not on the other exactly. necessities. Yeah, to exactly. similar similar to to a minor extent, McLaren in 05. Yeah, I mean the, the way I ever since I started in racing, you know, there was, I, I've always been. I was I was told very early that. And this is a very um, simplistic way of looking at it. But if there's if there's ten things that you need to get right to win a, a race, whether it's Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar, MotoGP, whatever it is, there's ten things you need to get right every weekend to win a race. The top teams, the Red Bull, they'll have seven or eight of those things right every week without hesitation. Hendrick, Joe Gibbs will get seven or eight of those things right every weekend. So they can concentrate their energy on the two or three things that – Maybe you can't predict. Ferrari at the moment, I think, are getting five or six of those things right every weekend. And that's leaving them more work to do and putting more pressure on them. But then you have races like Austria where um, the you know Charles was dominant during the race. It just clicked for him. But then, of course, he made that mistake in, in Poricar and, and lost that race heavily. And then Hungary and Spa, you know, not picking up you know particularly good points. All It really does put you on the back foot there certainly does so we've got a few few minutes left i do want to turn our attention to indycar indycar is heading into their last two races of the season uh we're going to be in portland and then following portland we'll be at laguna sega for the finale um now uh, louise you were out there in portland uh viewing some testing uh so some of the teams i think andretti and penske were were testing in portland and uh the ganassi and mclaren teams were testing in um laguna and you know some other guys were out there testing as well. I just I just don't know who was where on top of my head. Other Boyd than went those... to Portland. That's the only other, that's the other team that. So yeah, it's Pesky, Foyt, and Andretti and that were, were at Portland. Right. So and we saw. I thought, there was, an, I thought there was an Andretti car at Laguna. Sure, I saw an Andretti car on the uh, timesheets. I'll be wrong in that. I don't know. Who knows? I, because I sometimes test times and data are not distributed that that just, quickly, uh, like Indianapolis or Sebring. Yeah, I do know that. Uh, I guess um, Erickson had a pretty good shunt at uh, in um, Laguna, and um, Palou was fastest, I believe, uh, of that group there. Yeah. And, and then in uh, Portland, I think um, you said Grosjean had a. Had a bit yeah. of an off off track excursion, and uh, as well as Will Power. Yeah, Will Power spun in turn six, and then tried to get fired up, but it stalled. He got back going. Grosjean towards the end of the first half of te- the morning portion of testing, he bent it where he had suspension damage and all of that in the final corner, from what I was told. And then, and then Kellett also had an off road excursion that brought up a. There were three stoppages during the time I was there when the media were allowed to be around content-wise. But those were the three that I picked up. And as far as Penske going for Portland, I think it's more or less kind of brought out to get better at, at a track that where they kind of struggled last year. Because remember, yes, Will Power won in 2019, but between 2019 and 2021, 
it was Ganassi's turf and, and a year ago with Palou winning there and, and remains his last win in IndyCar to date. So he's pushing on a year where I went so that Penske felt like if they're going to focus, they had, they had to pick and choose. Because as we talked off air with a couple of people, that it's kind of like you pick and choose. Like you only have a certain amount of test dates you could do it throughout the IndyCar year. And we're down to Portland and Laguna Seca, which uh, both West Coast tracks, and you, it's kind of like pick and choose. Penske went with Portland because they want to get better at that track, whereas Ganassi went with Laguna Seca to kind of see which ones will benefit, which is going to be very interesting and an exciting final two rounds, see which one, which decision-making they made for testing will benefit, will benefit more. Because yeah. and ultimately, again, those, it's yeah, now those, two teams those... for the title with six drivers in it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we are up against the clock here. So, um, who do you like for Portland? Uh, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's tough to bet against the Ganassi's of Portland, but but you got to look at you know when Newgarden gets into that championship mode, you know, and, and plus power has been so consistent this year. It's hard for me to uh, just kind of, you know, there, there's several guys that could win there. I mean, Dixon could win at Portland. You know, that's a attractive favors Dixon rather well. And again, here we are getting close to the um, championship uh, season ender. So who do you like, Louise? Yeah, you have a good point on Dixon. The livery won last year, not Dixon, though, which is people tend to forget that. But I actually like Rossi in this one, mostly for the fact that he's been on the podium a couple a couple times. I feel like he's got it a little bit better. I think he, if anything, he wants to end it on a positive note with Andrew before he makes the jump to McLaren. So I'm going to go with a bold prediction with Rossi on that one over Will Power. Yeah, see, the other thing there, yeah, you got to figure these guys in the championship battle may, may you know, if they've got a good podium position, they might not, you know, fight hard for the lead if they feel like they're going to have a good points day. But but then again, I mean, it's the battle at the top is so tight. If you don't go for the win, you know, you yeah, can, you got to go. for Yeah, it you got to go for the win. Yeah. So above everything else, survive turn one lap one. Period. That's that's <laughs> that's the crapshoot of Portland. Yeah, that festival curve there uh, I, uh, for the life of me. I, I always say they should skip it on lap one. Till the field string, strings out, let the field string out after one lap, and then then go and add it. But but nobody listens to me. Um. Oh, that was a talk at testing. What they should what should they do about? It? Some said make it a little Don't bit longer in track other. lane. And Don't you, hit each other. And that. That's what you do. God, these are some of the best drivers in the world. If they, I hate this. If the, the track is there, they know it's there. Don't hit each other. It's you know. Uh, it's happened only only on lap one, and then the restarts. Everything's all mellow out with a single flop, but they want to go all eight wide bananas because and, that's what race car drivers do. Yeah, exactly. You know the the tracks there. There's these two white lines either side of the black bit in the middle, and a car's a set width. It's not changing width in the middle of the corner. You know, just just be smart about it. And if you don't want it to go for the 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 the, the gap. Don't go for the gap. It's uh, I I think it's a ridiculous uh, argument about taking it out for for the for the first lap of the race. No, just just they've got to be disciplined. These guys are good and and act good. Don't uh, don't yeah don't be stupid. 
about it, guys. Come on. You know. <laughs> okay. All right. I see. On that so, note. On that note, Richard. Yes. Uh, Richard, who do you like for Portland? Oh, I'm going to say there's a huge pileup in the first corner. <laughs> <laughs> and so Johnson go, wins uh, it. Grosjean. Grosjean wins it. Grosjean wins it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go yes. with. Um, I'm going to say number one. Will Power goes ahead and. Uh, Breaks that pole record, gets uh, gets pole and gets number sixty eight and uh, puts Mario down to number two. Uh, I'm gonna say Will gets a podium out of it, uh, retains the points lead, and um, Pato Award wins the race. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm gonna. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So until next week, we'll let you know how uh, how that first corner pileup <laughs> shakes out but i want to i want to thank you richard and louise i want to thank the hoobazoo radio network i want to thank iHeartRadio, spreaker itunes and google podcasts and i want to thank you folks that listen to us every week but until next week have a good night Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 